the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus is always our high priest and always our mighty prayer warrior. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, Our Mighty Prayer Warrior. We will bring you the first portion of that message today, and we'll conclude it the next time we get together. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with Our Mighty Prayer Warrior. Today is Reaching Your Heart. Let's pray. Dear Father God, when we get on our knees, we actually stand in the presence of God. We're on holy ground. I just pray you'll be with us today. May we find in Jesus the answers to our prayers, the light to show the way, hope for the future, in Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This past Christmas, I had a run-in with the law that I didn't expect to have at all. In fact, every time I think about it, I get embarrassed. Who wants to be handcuffed? Anybody here? It's not a great idea. I was detained and handcuffed by the police because I turned in my license plate number as stolen. The one good plate still left on my car was picked up by a camera in Walmart, and before I knew what was happening to me, I was surrounded by a swarm of police cars with lights flashing and guns ready to fire if I did anything odd. It all happened just after Christmas in Tennessee. The most embarrassing part for me was they handcuffed me. Sir, do you mind if we handcuff you? And of course, I didn't exactly say it right. I said, no, we always mind, and they handcuffed me. And I was there for 45 minutes until they figured out that I did not steal my own tag. I was a little rattled by that. Has anybody here ever been detained by the police or got a ticket and you were rattled and nervous by it? I mean, I have. I mean, I was just rattled. I must admit that I have been wary of seeing the police in my rearview mirror ever since. When I'm driving, I see the police. After that event, I think, oh no, what's happening now? Well, yesterday it was Friday, last time I checked. It was not Good Friday, it was a Friday. And before I started working on my sermon, I was driving down a road when I looked in my rearview mirror and there was a police officer following me and my heart started beating, my blood pressure went up and it was following me all the way down the road. I came to the red, white and blue thrift store. It followed me right into the parking lot. I said, oh no, deja vu all over again. Now, during COVID-19, I go there every now and then so I can walk and get out of the house. It's one of my stop-off points. I sometimes find things that we can use here at the church. Now, as I looked into my rearview mirror, the police kept following me. As I said, my blood pressure went up. I began to get nervous. I remember what happened to me just after Christmas. 
And as the police car followed me right into the parking lot of the thrift store, it went a little ahead of me, and then it blocked the entryway so I couldn't go any further. And I said, man, alive, I'm living this whole nightmare over again. As I pulled into the parking lot, I was expecting the police officer to get out of that car, to come to my door, and to say, well, maybe your tag isn't right or something. But to my surprise... That was not what was going on there at all. When I stepped out of the car, I saw the police officer step out beside another car with another officer. So there were two there. And he was looking for something. He's trying to pull something out of a bag. It looked like a long tool. And suddenly I noticed to my left that there was a man pacing back and forth. And he was very, very nervous. And it looked like the police officers were focusing on the man. And then I walked up to his car and I looked in the car. And there in the car was a little boy holding his hands on the steering wheel, driving daddy's car, and the car was locked. That little boy had locked the car to keep his daddy out so he could drive all day long with daddy in the cold outside. It was bitter cold. His dad was outside. The police officers were scrambling to open the car. And there I was. I was so concerned about me, so concerned about me being the center of the universe that I didn't realize that it wasn't about me at all. That police officer was following me, not because he wanted me, but because I was in the way of where he needed to be to make a difference. Just then I realized why I was standing there at that moment in time with a very worried daddy. I walked up to the young man and I said, sir, I'm a pastor. Can I pray for you right now? He said, yes, thank you. And so we bowed our heads right there in the parking lot with this little boy on the driver's wheel, daddy sweating bullets. I bowed my head and I said, dear God, please watch after this young man. Help this little boy to get out of the car. May everything go good with the police. Calm our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And then I went up to the police officer and I said, thank you for coming. We're so grateful. At that point, they went to work and locking the door. And using a pry bar tool, they pulled the window from the car door about three inches back. Then they took that long tool I saw the police officer extracting from the bag. He stuck it down the door. And before you know it, he unlocked the door. The door opened and the dad was so happy, the boy was not happy. Daddy was relieved. The boy was not relieved. He was disappointed. He wanted to keep playing with daddy's steering wheel. He was having the time of his life at everybody else's expense. I came back to the car and just before they both drove away with dad at the wheel and not the boy, I asked the man if I could take a picture of him so I could share it with you here this morning. I felt the Lord was in that timing. He said, sure. And so I took a picture of him smiling, very grateful. And then here's the little boy finally, you know, tied up in his seat, so to speak, not as happy as he was before with his hands on the wheel. He drove away very happy that we had prayed together, the police had unlocked the door, that everything had worked out all right. As I stood there in the parking lot in the bitter cold, I thought to myself, how wonderful and warm prayer is when you are locked outside, when you're in trouble, when it's cold in your life. Prayer brings a calm and warmth when nothing else will do. And just before we prayed, I was worried that I was being followed by a police car. I was really worried. I was focused on me, my memory, my experience, what I had been through. 
And friends, we sometimes live paranoid and fearful lives like the whole universe centers around us, our problems, what's happening to us, what could happen to us. And we forget that God has put us here where we are at for the good of others. And sometimes trouble comes into our lives so we can position to help people who are in deeper trouble. So when we prayed together, my worry went away. His worry went away. The dad was fine. The child was unlocked from the door, and there was something about the magic of prayer. Alas, both I and the daddy felt the comforting power of God's presence. When I was a young man, I came to Christ by reading the book Steps to Christ. Amuda, wonderful window into the book Steps to Christ, the privilege of prayer, an awesome chapter. I recommend every one of us read that this week. That little book was given to me by a father. It was the book I read that led me to accept and surrender to Jesus. Two profound statements in that little book have lingered in my memory for these many years that have to do with prayer. The first, Steps to Christ, page 93. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. I mean, prayer isn't something we get up, you know, well, I'm going to pray a big, pretty prayer to God. Oh, mighty king of the universe. You know, well, we've heard prayers like that. doesn't mean they're bad. But God doesn't really want to hear that stuff all week. He wants you to say, dear Lord, by the way, thank you, God and friend. I need to open up to you today. So she's saying here, look, prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. When we talk to God throughout our week, we talk to our ultimate friend throughout our week. And so it doesn't help God to love us one lick more, but it helps us to come into his presence to value him a lot more. Steps to Christ, page 94 is the second one. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whisper temptations of the enemy entice them to sin is all because, and she says it is all because. In other words, the reason why, not a reason. Here's the big reason. It is all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. We are told that prayer is the key in the hand of faith that unlocks heaven's storehouses. You know, it's interesting, Romans 5, 1 says we're justified by faith. We have a right legal and relational standing with God by faith. And if that is so, how do we get there? How do we have that justification by faith experience? You can't have it without the key, which is prayer. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's a perfect verb. You've been saved in the past and God keeps on saving you. He keeps on saving you because of faith working through grace. And this is not of your own doing, he says. So don't get a big head. Don't think you've arrived. Don't think you're perfect. It is the gift of God. And then he says, not because of works, lest any man should boast. You know, the bottom line is we're not saved by the quality of our obedience, but we won't be saved without obedience either. We are saved by saving grace, received by faith, whereby God works in our lives, the fruit of holiness. It is a gift. So as Christians, we are saved by God's kindness, God's grace, but here's the intermediate agent, through faith. 
Friends, grace means unmerited favor from God. Salvation means healing, acceptance, ultimate healing. And faith, they are all gifts that come from our kind God in the gift of Jesus. So to be saved every day and in the end, we all need faith every day until the end. How many of you want to have a strong faith in Jesus at the time of the end? Raise that hand confidently high. Okay, I'm in that group. When the great God of heaven looks upon the earth at the end of time, he will be looking for saving faith in you and me. He'll be looking for saving faith as the evidence that we are true Christians. And that is what will separate us from an unbelieving world. When he comes, will he find it? Jesus' brother Jude had this to say about the relationship of faith to prayer in Jude verses 20 and 21. He says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude tells us all to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. So what kind of faith do we need based on that verse? A most holy faith, not a faith, not a holy faith, a most holy faith. Now when you think of the most holy, where does your mind naturally go? It goes to the sanctuary, right? Remember there was a holy place? And that's where the priest prayed all the time. But once a year, the high priest would enter the most holy place on the Day of Atonement. And there he would pray for the entire nation of Israel. But Judah's saying, look, Christ doesn't want you to have just a holy place faith. Christ wants you to have a most holy place faith that burrows in all the way into the inner room where God is at. The most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary, friend, is the very room where God is found and where Jesus, our great high priest, according to the book of Hebrews, ministers in our behalf every single moment of our life. Our most holy faith takes us into the most holy place where God is at and where Jesus, our mighty prayer warrior, leads the way, the book of Hebrews says, through the new and living way into the presence of God. As soon as Jude introduces a most holy faith that builds us up, he then gives the command, pray in the Holy Spirit. And then which means, as he says, to keep yourselves in the love of God. Three connected ideas. Friend, to have faith is to pray, and to pray is to have the Holy Spirit, and that is how we are kept in the love of God. When someone says, well, I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like God loves me. That's because they haven't prayed long enough, because through prayer, you will feel that God loves you. You cannot abide in prayer and be lost to the reality that God loves you. He loves you as if there is no other person in the universe. I mean, he didn't send Jesus to die for nothing on that cross. He sent Jesus to die for you if you were the only one who would respond. And so prayer is the key that unlocks the most holy place where we find the God who loves us. To have faith is to pray, and to pray is to have the Holy Spirit. And that is how we are kept in the love of God. Friend, Jude is telling us that God keeps those who by faith pray like this in the Holy Spirit. We don't keep ourselves. We aren't good at staying close to God. We can't stay without veering on our own. But God keeps the one who prays. It is true that prayer is the key in the hand of faith that unlocks heaven's storehouse, the most holy place. And when you use the key of prayer, friend, think about this. You have a direct access into the very room that was forbidden in the Old Testament. 
But not the earthly most holy place, the heavenly most holy place. There is no veil that separates you from God. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, when you go to the Old Testament, you look at the sanctuary, there was a veil. It's amazing. When you come to the book of Revelation, you can look for the sanctuary there in the book of Revelation. There is no veil in the book of Revelation because there is no barrier between God and His people. The book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10 that Christ's flesh, His incarnation, His appearance as a human being was the veil. And when Christ was ripped at the cross, when He died at the cross, the veil, there was only one veil in the second temple period, not two. There was only one veil for the very door of the temple. It was ripped from top to bottom. In fact, Josephus tells us 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem that the great stone lintel that was at the top of the entry into the sanctuary, the temple of Jerusalem, there was an earthquake and it cracked. This massive stone lintel. And when it fell, I guarantee you, it ripped the entire veil to the ground. So we have historical corroboration of what the New Testament records. Christ died at that very moment because when Jesus died, the veil parted so that never again, because of the blood of Christ, we now have access to God. Never again would a soul that seeks Him by prayer be separated from the most holy place. Isaiah 26, 1-3, in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps faith may enter in. Thou dost keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Righteousness by faith is impossible without a prayer life. We gain the righteousness that comes from God through Christ when we pray. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is presented as our great high priest who has entered beyond the veil as our mighty prayer warrior and friend. And I am so grateful for Jesus as my great high priest. Does anybody else share that deep-held conviction that Christ is our great high priest? In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is more than a high priest. He's our great high priest. Jesus constantly, now think about this, Christ constantly prays for you. As you pray, your feeble little prayer, on again, off again, mumbling or not, the book of Hebrews teaches that Jesus is praying for you every moment of your life with the power of God in him, the power of the Son of God that he received renewed in the resurrection when he became our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Christ prays for us for power, grace, and love that we can find him. Hebrews 7.15, let's take our Bibles and drift into this. This becomes even more evident, Paul writes, when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not according to a legal requirement. In other words, the law didn't make him a priest. Concerning bodily descent. In other words, he was not of the tribe of Levi. 
Here's how Jesus became a high priest. Notice what the text says. But by the power of an indestructible life, Christ became a high priest in the resurrection. When God swore an oath, according to Psalms 2-7, that thou, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As Hebrews 5, 5 and 6 says, it is restated in Psalms 110, verse 4. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God swore an oath in the resurrection. He says, you will never die again. I give you the power of an indestructible life. You lived a perfect life. No more will sin and sorrow and death have anything to do with you. I raise you to immortality. And friend, when Jesus received the power of that indestructible life and the resurrection from the dead, what did he do with it? What did he do with it? According to the book of Hebrews, he did something marvelous with it. He became our high priest forever. Jesus is not an on-again and off-again high priest in our life. Jesus is always our high priest and always our mighty prayer warrior. So what does Jesus do with the power of his indestructible life A life that will never die. Look at Hebrews 7.25. According to this verse, Jesus keeps on praying for us. Jesus keeps on saving us. Jesus keeps on holding on to us. Jesus gets us through the mess of life so that we are saved by the power of an indestructible life. Verse 25. Consequently, He is able. Now I could go fast through that phrase, but I'm going to pause up. Consequently, Jesus is able. How efficient is Christ? He's able. What kind of potential power resides in him? The power that made the quantum world. The power that made the macro universe. The power that made the vast universe, the small universe, and everything in life. He is able. But notice what it says next. For all time. The Greek is pantata. Every moment, every then of your life. Every prick of time in your life, he is able. And then to do what? It says to save those who draw near to God through him. I want to be saved. I mean, I struggle sometimes with feeling like I'm saved. If people are throwing darts at me or if I'm having a difficulty. Am I alone? Anybody ever struggled that way? In your emotions? You can say, yes, pastor. Yes, there's no sin in being honest. Because if you haven't, You're probably not even in the saved realm. Saved people struggle. People who are growing in God struggle. Now, we need to struggle in the right way. When we focus on Christ, our great high priest, we enter the realm of power in our life. So he's able to save those, and I like the next phrase, who draw near to God through him. Now, we draw near through prayer. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what is Jesus' full-time job with the power of an indestructible life? It says it right here in verse 25. He always lives to make intercession. That means he prays for us all the time. Now think about it. Every moment of your imperfect and weak life, Jesus prays for you with the power of an indestructible life. If no one else in the whole world is praying for you, there have been times we've all moped around, no one's praying for me. I wish someone would pray for me. Well, do you realize that someone is praying for you? The ultimate someone is always praying for you. Jesus is praying for you right now as if you are the only person in the universe with the power, the omnipotent eternal power of a mind that knows everything, a power that embraces us. 
In fact, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the Pantachrator in Greek. Panta means all. Chrator means the one who holds everything. It's translated almighty. What does it mean to have almighty power? It means to be able to hold everything together. Christ can hold your life together because of the power of an indestructible life. So, friend, if no one else in the whole world is praying for you, Jesus is praying for you. When you woke up this morning, Jesus was praying for you through the night and on. When you started your devotions, Jesus was praying for you and waiting for you. When you went to work, Jesus was praying for you. Now, you don't work on Sabbath, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, you do. If you're a healthcare worker, you do what Jesus does. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Jesus understood that. But when you go to work, who's praying for you? Jesus is. When you drove to church this morning, Jesus was what? He was praying for you on the way. Friends, if you fell on the ice or you didn't or you fell into sin, Jesus was praying that you would get up and seek him and be okay and fully forgiven. When you fall into a bad habit, has anybody here ever fallen into a bad habit? Don't say what it is. We leave that between you and your personal prayer life. Anybody have fallen into a bad habit? Come on. Sure you have. Okay. You see, it's hard to be honest in church. Well, we're not undermining the church or righteousness by being honest. It's a good thing to just fess up and say, yeah, it's easy to fall into a bad habit. When you fell into that bad habit, Jesus was praying for you to be forgiven, for you to have the Holy Spirit to overcome that sin, and for you to live a holy, consistent life because of the power of an indestructible life. Thank you, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That will conclude the first portion of Our Mighty Prayer Warrior. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. And the next time we get together, we will conclude this broadcast. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road. Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.